Good morning, everyone. Welcome to God's Gift Podcast, where we desire that everyone lives life complete. So on this podcast segment, we're going to talk about a continuation of last week's series, that trauma blocks intimacy. So we talked a little bit about trauma and I defined what trauma is, what childhood trauma is, and what chronic trauma is. Um, And now on this podcast, we're going to take the rest of that first title and talk about what is intimacy. So when we talk about intimacy, typically in society, we talk about just love, sex. It really goes straight to sex, to be honest, sex and kissing. And I think it's it's unfair because the word intimacy has it has it, sex is a component of intimacy, but it is not what the word intimacy means. Like when you say intimacy, it does not mean sex. It means something so much deeper. And one of the things I want to do is when I'm saying like, especially because it's in not only in the mission statement of the organization, but it has a lot to do with how we see our relationships. So I want to come and define really what is intimacy. So according to the dictionary, intimacy is a close friendship, closeness, a private cozy relationship, and an intimate act. Now that intimate act portion is where you would include sex, but notice the word intimacy means close friendship, something that is familiar, something that is really close. In a private, cozy relationship. And then I want you also to know, an intimate act is more than just sex. So when I say an intimate act, I'm referring to anything. You can you can put physical touch in that aspect, but it goes deeper into like sharing your thoughts with your partner, sharing your fears, or sharing experiences. Like going on a trip today, like vacation is now a thing, um, but it's those types of activities that would count those are just a few examples but they would count as an intimate act with one another most engagements and proposals are intimate acts it's an exchange between one person to another and it's not taking from one another but it's an exchange meaning you're both giving something during that session during that activity and during that portion that you are you all are together so Jennifer Cogan has this beautiful quote, and it says, intimacy is the process where we feel truly seen, known by, and connected to our partner. So I just want to pull the quote apart. Like intimacy is the process. So intimacy is not just an act. It's a process, a continuation, ongoing thing where you, the person, the recipient or the giver in, in this circumstance feel truly seen, meaning that they see you for who you are. They see you for your ups, your downs, your highs, your lows. They see you in all of your essence. And then you feel known by them, meaning that you can come to them for things. You know they're going to stick up for you. You know they're going to care for you. You know they're going to treat you very differently than others that don't know you. And you feel connected to And a lot of times what I see in, even in my own past experience with intimacy or in others, um, it's the idea of not feeling truly connected to the partner through those two little words that she said. You don't feel connected if you don't feel seen and you don't feel known by your partner. 
meaning whether that is through your love languages or even if it's through just the simple things as being told I love you every day or hi or I thought about you. Those things all help us feel connected or intimate with one another. But I'm I'm just giving y'all a little synopsis of what I found out from her quote, what I dived into. But I want to introduce you all to the five types of intimacy coined by Margarita Takosaki. And she is a associate editor. She contributes to Psych Central. And she has her master's degree in clinical psychology. So what she coined, and I love how she puts it, she creates five types of intimacy. And that is emotional, intellectual, physical, experimental, and spiritual. So now that I've given you the five types of intimacy, I want to go and really give you all a definition for all five of them, as well as give you all examples of them, not only in my experience, but examples of how you can view it and see it in your life. So the first one that we have is emotional intimacy. And the definition that she gives is emotional intimacy refers to your ability to talk about your innermost thoughts with your partner. So I want you to think of this as like sharing your fears, your passions, the things that make you angry, the things that make your soul agitated or make your soul excited. Those are your innermost thoughts. Like what makes you happy? What makes you sad? What makes you grieve? What makes you jump with joy? Like those are things that I would consider your innermost thoughts. Um, And there, there are some things that I would say I would have you just to look back on your relationships. Like, can you share your innermost thoughts with other people? Can you share them with your husband, your boyfriend, girlfriend, wife, like your brothers and sisters? Can you share those thoughts and those emotions with them? Um, And for me, I really would say, even when it comes to God, can you share all of your emotions with God? Can you share every emotion that you feel with him can you share when you're angry with him when you're grieved with him can you share when you're happy with him when you're inspired when like can you share both your sadness and your happiness with God both the good the bad and the ugly like can you share that with God um and I think that's something that it would be considered your innermost thoughts it's every thought that comes up every thought that is evoked from a pain from a good place from a wound from a from a healing aspect or a healing thought like those are your inner um your innermost thoughts and it refers to emotional intimacy can you share those with your partner so the thing that I want to hit on is can you be emotionally intimate with those that are around you, you those that are connected to you? Because if you have a hard time being emotionally intimate with your family and friends, it sometimes bleeds off into your ability to be emotionally intimate with God. Because when you want to share your innermost thoughts and beings with family and friends or and you don't because of whatever your circumstance is, whether that means you feel rejected, you feel like they don't listen, like sometimes we protect project those same beliefs onto God. Well, God won't listen. God don't care when God truly does care. Like he just, he knows your thoughts. He knows what you're thinking, what you're going through, but still he wants you to come and talk to him about what you're going through. And I think that's something we, we push off. 
So from my experience, it happened at the church when I encountered a religious spirit. And it was more so just on the terms of the narrative is you don't ask God questions. You don't question God. Like he don't care about your emotions. Like he does not care. Like, why are you talking to him about that anyway? Like if God has bigger things to do about, he's not bothered by your emotions. He's not bothered by how you're feeling. And I had to learn that that was a lie. Another thing I had to learn even was dealing with the spirit of religion and intimacy with God, emotional intimacy with God, is that a lot of times when you encounter that spirit, that spirit, it goes off of what has been the normal, what has been the norm. So there's a lot of people that have not stepped into that realm of emotional intimacy with God. So they can only tell you and project what they know um, because they've never tried something different or something new. As a kid, I'm like, what you mean? Don't question God. Don't ask him nothing like, okay, like, so if I can't tell, if I can't have an authentic relationship and I can't talk to him about nothing, then how is he my God? I can talk to everybody else. about, Like I can talk to my friends about it. Why can't I talk to God about what I'm going through? Why, why can't I tell God that I'm angry with him right now? Why can't I tell God like I'm grieved with what's going on? And I, as a kid, I used to ask myself like, God, like, so I'm not even supposed to ask you this question that's in my head right now. <laughs> um, and I got to this point that I had to learn really as a teenager into like becoming a young adult. Like a part of my communicate, a part of my relationship with God is built on the communication that I have with him. So I would, if I had to share my pains, my, I, if, if that was seen as disrespectful from the other people, that's fine because you can't judge the relationship that I have with God. That relationship is between me and God. So I got to this point where I'm like, God, I'm angry. God, why you let that happen to me? Like, what what was the communication? And I and I got to a point where I I sometimes like felt like rebellious because I was told I couldn't ask God these certain things. But here I am pushing the boundaries to the extent I'm like, God, okay, you you obviously talking to me and I'm talking to you. So show me this is biblical. So I want you for those that are like, you don't need to tell God your innermost thoughts, your innermost pains, your innermost joy. Like you don't need to share those things with God. I want you to go to the book of Psalms in the Bible. And I want you to read the book of Psalms. And I want to give you the great prize example because we love to talk about David. We love to talk about David. Love, 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 love to talk about David. But in Psalms 13 too, David, David even asked God, like, God, like, bro, like, what's going on? Like, what's going on? Like, how long am I going? How long am I going to deal with this? God, like, why? Why is this happening to me? But but then he turned around. He said, God, OK, this is happening to me. But God, I still love you. I still trust you like this. This is the same guy, same guy, same David, same David. David killing Goliath, that same David that was like, oh, God, I trust you. You're my shepherd. You you, you literally like, God, I, I, I rock with you. Like, God, I love you. God, I, I, I trust you. I honor you. I adore you. I obey you. But you still have him going back and saying, God, but although this, like, what's this? So I, I want, I don't want people to get in the moment where they're like, well, God, I can't talk to God about this. Like, no, you can't talk to God about this. God gave you a prime example in the Bible, a truth of, of a man that he called a man after his own heart. Like he called David a man after his own heart and David himself struggled with his own things and he shared his innermost thoughts, his innermost being with God for he was emotionally, he's an example of a, a biblical character that was emotionally intimate with God.
So for me, that was enlightening that opened up ways where I'm like, okay, God, well, I can't, there's no way I can't have no part of our relationship lacking God. So we gonna get this emotionally intimate thing down. And I had to work through a lot of baggage, a lot of stuff that I had suppressed, a lot of stuff I repressed so that I didn't have to talk to nobody about it, that I had to open up and say, God, okay, I give you this. But that is really how your relationship with emotional intimacy should be with God. And it should also be like that with like the people that you're connected to. If you can't um, tell someone that they're bothering you or that something they've done has triggered you, really evaluate that relationship and know what what actually is, like, what's the purpose of the relationship then? Because if you can't be truthful and honest, then how can you grow together? Because a big part of growth happens when there's conflict. It happens when there's disagreements, there's pain, there's triggers involved. Um, so really just under, like getting the grabs, like, are you emotionally intimate with the people around you? And are you emotionally intimate with God? So I'm not telling you now, I want to put a disclaimer. I'm not telling you to be emotionally intimate with everyone. That is a choice that you have to make. Um, and I, for me personally, I would say, I don't tell everyone my, (laughs) my innermost fears. I will say, I will tell my innermost thoughts. And there has been moments in my life where I've been rejected for sharing those thoughts. But really, um, for me, I had to learn how to package those thoughts because sometimes you can drop something so heavy on a person that they don't know how to carry it. But the good thing about God is he There's nothing you can drop on him that is too big for him to carry. He carries everything, all things. Um, He's that good and that powerful, that brilliant in his concept and his mind. Like he is that good. Um, So I would encourage you, like, if people are, if you feel like you can't talk to someone about something, talk to God about it. You can talk to God through journal, singing, whatever your language is to him. And we make this so complicated. But God gave us a particular way to express ourselves, each human being, each gift that he made. He gave each one of us a a way to express our love, our emotions to him. So for me, I draw, I write, I sing, y'all. I'm not a singer, but I sing. Y'all see in that last, what's the name? I did my little singing thing. I can tell y'all a whole story about how I was fearful of doing that. But literally, like... Even down to I I sometimes talk out loud to myself to know what I'm processing and what I'm going through. That's the unique way that God created me and I've accepted that. But for other people it may and I I do I do it through dance as well. But for other people it may be through dance, through arts, through administration, through typing, through writing. Um, even down to the simplest thing is down to coloring. Um and and then also like just the simple things like he talks to you through your gifts. So that can mean that means the gifts of the spirit. And if you don't know those, we can have another com- podcast and I can refer you to people that talk on that concept. But um, he even talks to you through the gifts of the spirit as well as he talks to you through the gifts of your hands. So what what has God given you as an individual that when you put your hand and your mouth to work, it literally opens up a door for you. It opens up something in your mind, something in your emotion, something in your soul. It opens up something around you. Um, so it could be anything that has to deal with the arts. 
um, and more. So the next one I want to talk to you about is intellectual intimacy. And that refers to your ability to exchange ideas and thoughts about the things you care and think about with your partner. Now, this is totally different from emotional intimacy, you all. So intellectual intimacy talks about the exchange of your ideas and thoughts, whereas emotions go from your innermost thoughts. And your innermost thoughts are things that revolve in like the soul area, whether that is like things that bother you, what are your fears, or anything that really evolves around emotions. Whereas intellectual intimacy talks about your ability to have great conversation and be able to like make I exchange those ideas with your partner. So I'm going to give you an example. So it could be something as simple as a husband and a wife coming together and both of them thinking like, hey, like I really like health and you really like basketball. Like, can we like and you like working with the youth, too. So like, can we come up with a program, a business idea or and just uh, just think of a way that we can become involved in our community and really come up with something. So it could be as simple as you brainstorming a business plan or you thinking, you sharing just uh, what you did at work and what you learned from work and how it could benefit your household together. Like those are types of things that I would say would be go under that intellectual intimacy intimate portion and it's because it all has to deal with your intellect it all has to deal with your thoughts your passions and the things that attract your attention um, whereas emotions deal with your emotions so in this category um I really want to just highlight the fact of exchanging ideas and thoughts and I I want to actually go from the portion of do you exchange your ideas and thoughts with God do you ask him for witty inventions? Do you ask him like, God, I want to start this. I have a desire to do this, 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 and that. What do you think I should do with it? What does it look like in the kingdom for me to bring not only my desires into fruition, but also what does it look like for you to blow on my desires? And then you to even say, hey, I want you to do this and say it. Like, what does that look like? So can you be intellectually intimate with God? Can you bring your ideas? Can you bring your desires? Can you bring the things that burden you to him to get an answer and be the solution on earth? And that's really one thing that it sounds so simple to do, but because we create our own agendas, we literally end up in this cycle of being like, well, I want to do things my way. And God's like, well, I got something way better for you. And it deals with what you're passionate about. It deals with what you truly exist for. And a lot of times we we act like our desires don't come from God. I, all good things come from God. So if you have a desire to go help youth um, in the area of mental mental health, like God gave you that desire and he knows how to fix it and solve it any better than anyone else in the world like he's not he knows all things so it's better to go to him to exchange your thought plans your business ideas what's your next steps what's your purpose like you get your purpose from God that is an intellectual intimate conversation saying God who am I what you what did you create me for like why you put me on this earth like when he starts to download the revelation and give it to you and he get, he gives it to you through your through things that you can understand whether that's your five senses and your dreams like 
He gives you the revelation bit by bit. So that's an intellectual, intimate conversation because he's exchanging his thoughts and his ideas of you. And then he's also telling you like the things that you've cared about throughout the years, they're not in vain. I've given you those things. So like when God gets to that point where he's telling you, I've given you those desires. I've given you those, those things that you want to work on. I've given you how you even interact with people. Like that is something I created and downloaded in you when I formed you before I put you in your mother's womb. So like it's those types of things. That is something that you really should go to God. If God gave you an idea, say, God, how do, how do I do this? How do I put this a plan? Because if it's his idea and it's your idea, then he makes sure it happens. It is spoken and it is done. But I think one of the hardest things is when, and I'll speak from my personal testimony, when you have an idea and a thought that is not in line with what God has said, that is probably the hardest thing to work from. Because there are times where people will speak things over you and it becomes the main thing shouting in your ear when God's saying, okay, that's a part of you. I'm glad they seen it, but they interpret it wrong and you interpret it wrong. So how can, can you come to me so I can clarify that? Can you come to me so I can clean that up so you don't fall into deception and you don't stay stuck and stagnant for the next couple of years? Those are some things that we need to lay down to God. So I tell like one of the things I would say to people, um, and this was told to me by, um, his name is prophet Marcus Allen. He told me, pray the scripture, Jeremiah 33 and three, ask the Lord to reveal his secrets, reveal his secrets because God knows how he created you. He don't let everybody see how he created you because one that one God has a time and a, and a, a divine appointment of when you, when you become, when you step and the ability for you to become is all dependent on how you go and seek God. And sometimes we don't go and seek God about who, who am I? What did you call me to do? We go and seek other things. Like we go and put emphasis on what we're good at, what other people told us we're good at, what other people dismissed. We go and we try to prove, like prove ourselves instead of going to God and saying, God, can you reveal in me and, and allow, I'm, I'm allowing you to take out anything in me that will reject what you're saying you called me to be, what you're saying you told me I am, what you are saying my purpose in this earth is. Because a lot of times when God finally reveals it to us, we be like, no, nah, God, I don't want that. Everything everybody else told me was simple. I'm just a mother. No, God called you to be more. No, I'm just this. No, God called you to be more. No, I'm just, God called you to be more, sis. Bro, he called you to be more. Just pick it up, accept it. So that is what I'm referring to when I say intellectual intimacy. So I'm going to say the definition one more time. Intellectual intimacy refers to your ability to exchange ideas and thoughts about the things you care about and think about with your partner. So I want you I would say, if anything, and this is going side note because I didn't do this for emotional intimacy, but even when thinking of this this concept of intellectual intimacy, going before God and say, God, I care about this. I I I feel I feel called to do this. I feel as if I I really want to, I really want to make this impact. And saying, God, what do you think about that? Just simple, God, what do you think about that? And just listen. Just listen, 
listen whether that means hearing whether that means if you decide if you see something whether that means if you interact with somebody and someone like confirms the idea of what God told you or what you're seeking him out for like be open to how he speaks to you so the next thing I have for you um is physical intimacy and this is one everybody rages about especially in the world today like we gonna make love like that's that's what people refer to physical intimacy as is kissing sex anything that has to deal with physical and there's nothing wrong with that because physical intimacy does include sex however it is so much more than sex it really includes your ability so the definition that we're working with today guys is physical intimacy refers to your ability to be affectionate with your partner and when we go into being affectionate with your partner, it means like, can you hug them, kiss them? Do you tell them I love you? Do you um, do you hold their hand in public? What, like, do you kiss them on their head, forehead? Like, you don't have to kiss people on their lips all the time. Like, are you like what? What do you? How do you communicate physically that you are? just intimate with your partner whether that means the lifting of your hands the clapping and the cheering the like literally when we talk um so I have another section and it's a blog so if you want to follow the blog it is it's uh you can reach that website through god's gift llc dot wordpress dot com and when you're looking at intimacy not only with your partners and with god you begin to notice like an physical intimacy is more than just sex. It can be the clapping of hands. It can be uh, worship and praise is an intimate act or intimate acts with God. Um, blowing a kiss like we do it all the time or when we play with kids and we wave goodbye, we blow kisses like those are still considered intimate acts or physical intimacy. Like the idea of being physically intimate with a person. So I'm really like challenging the shift of mind. Like when I say physical intimacy, the first thing you shouldn't think of is sex. The first thing you could think of is a hug, like cuddles or or even like uh, kissing on the forehead or even cheering for someone when someone when someone is being celebrated and you stand and you cheer for them. So when it comes to God, um, I feel like this is this is an area we begin to cheat him at because we we literally play God in this area. I kid you not. We'll say, well, God doesn't need my worship. God doesn't need my praise. He know I, you will sit down in church and we'll say, he knows that I love him. He know I care about him. He know I adore him. I honor him. I love God. Like I, even if I'm, I love God, like what's wrong with you? Like I love God, but in all reality, God desires worship and praise. Just he desires our worship and he decides our praise. And we get that confused because we we only think worship at we think worship in the extent of oh well they just dramatic or uh, why they on their knees all the time why are they bowing like what 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 is that and then even when it comes to praise praise is probably one of the things that I hear people talk about the most and judge other people for but we act like we shouldn't praise God and I'm confused because. 
when we go to basketball games, when it's something we truly love, I'm be real, y'all. When it's something we truly love, we go into having moments and fits. So, like, I'm gonna give you a, a couple of examples of examples that come through my head right now. So, when we're at a football game or a basketball game, and it's our kid playing, or it's somebody we care about playing, or it's our favorite team, and they score a point, we're jumping, yelling, cheering, dancing. We we are we literally having a fit when we at the bar in the club, and our favorite song come on. Or for people, and you, you're drunk, or even before you're drunk, and you just dancing on anything and everyone, not will, not caring to be judged. Like you just want to have fun. Like that is still a sign of worship and praise. And I don't think people people disconnect the two. But like you still worshiping just just because you don't say it's worship doesn't mean it's it's not worship and praise. Like when you go to the club and you ready to twerk. That's still praise, praise of whatever that music is playing, praise, praise of whoever is singing. When y'all go to concerts, and I'm gonna say I'm saying y'all, but I'm saying me too. When we go to concerts or when we go out, like, and we want to have a good time, we're willing to look as silly, to look, um, to do all these random kind of moves, to do all these silly things, whether it's bending down and picking up money or whether it's a dance that has you go all the way down to the float and come back up. Like those are, that's still a form of worship. So it amazes me that when we talk about praise, we're so quick to judge someone for, for shouting, for unroutine praise. We're quick to judge someone for shouting, but then we won't even give God praise. We'll sit down and be like, oh no, I look silly doing that. Girl, you look silly in a club too. Like what, what is the difference? Like who are you trying to impress? And I, I and I kid y'all not, like that was probably one of my biggest testimonies in my blog site is, are, like I wrote, are you playing God? And I'm like, yeah, I, I used to play him a lot. And I give a lot of examples of why my reason for playing him, but even still throughout that reason why he didn't deserve that. So I want you to take a step back. And when you're saying being physically intimate with God, like, can you blow God a kiss? I know a lot of times people do that during praise dance. And I did it when I was a praise dancer. But like, do we do that still? Do you lift your hands? Do you clap your hands? Do you stand when like just thinking and ruminating on the goodness of God? Like, do you bow your knees during worship? Do you even do you do? Do you shout? Do you do un- unroutine praise? Like, those are all things that God God loves. He loves when you worship him. He loves when you praise him. Like he is God. He deserves to be worshiped and to be praised. Like a lot of things we give our attention to and we're willing to look silly for, like are things that don't even they don't even do much for us. They bring us a small piece of joy, but they also bring us sadness. So, um another example that I'll give to you all is so I I'm Greek or whatever. So when I was Greek, I was willing to do calls. I was willing to stump, do yard shows, to do um, different, different like step shows, to do different strolls. But then when it came to God, like we we real loud when it's I'm talking to the Greeks out there. When it comes to Greek life, we real loud at representing. You know, this is what we with. If you ain't rocking with it, then you ain't cool. But like, do we do that with God? And I literally have to take a step back and be like, no, when 
when they say God is good, I'm going to say, yeah, he is so good. And then I'm going to sit down. But if they say, if I hear my sorority call, I'm loud, I'm rebunctious, I'm acting a whole fool. And I have to take a seat back. Like, who am I worshiping then? Who, like, if I'm, if I'm that simple, if I'm that, you know, just focused on like, hey, I'm a worshiper and praise God, but there's no fruit of the lips. There's no adoration from my mouth. How is that praise? And I praise everything else through, through my mouth, through my body. Like how, how does that work? Especially in another example, I know I'm staying on this point kind of long, but I want to get, I want to get the ideas and the examples in y'all head because a lot of people reject the idea of praise and worship, but then don't see how they praise and worship other things outside of God. Um, so I want to take you back to your significant others, how when you're at a birthday with them and you plan out, you know, what you're going to do for them. Or then when they come out, you're cheering and you're yelling, you're so excited, um, to literally celebrate them. But celebration, like if you, if we go into like a deep dive for the word of praise and worship, praise is it pray. Another word that's equivalent to praise is celebration. You're celebrating the Lord. Celebrating his arrival, celebrating his presence, celebrating the things that he's done for you. But when we we celebrate humans, we celebrate each other sometimes. Talk about that. We celebrate each other, but we refuse to celebrate God. So the next time, all I'm saying is the next time, and I'm not telling you to do anything, but the next time you're in church and you you just ruminate on God's goodness. Like, God, you've brought me through this. God, you've like you've taken me from this to there. God, you've impacted my life so much. Or God, I should have been dead, but I'm alive. Like, when you ruminate on the things that God has done for you, your story and how God has changed your life, like, don't don't sit during worship, sis. Don't sit during, during worship, bro. Like, just get up and give God praise. Even if you got to take small movements and challenge yourself ask why why won't you give god worship why won't you give him praise like what what's stopping you and if you if you feel like you have a legitimate reason of what's stopping you let me know because if i can see people in a wheelchair get up and start praising god if i see someone that does not have legs but they clapping and they standing in their wheelchair on their limbs like that that's something that to really think about like what's stopping you from praising and worshiping God? So I'm stop. I'm stop going in on this topic because I'm doing another podcast on it. But that is um, the definition of physical intimacy refers to your ability to be affectionate with your partner. So the next type is experimental intimacy, and that refers to your ability to share experiences with your partner. So this would be things like vacations or taking a trip together uh the idea or the concept of your actual marriage that is an experience shared between both of you all that creates a memory um and then there's other things of like having your first having any child I was about to say your first child but having any child uh with your partner that is considered experimental intimacy because it it, it it evolves around an experience that you all share together. Um, so any experience you share together with your partner um, will be considered experimental 
intimacy. So I want to take it down. I'm going to do what I've been doing with each category. So experimental intimacy is with God. An example of that would be as simple as when his when his presence is near and you feel his presence and you respond. And whether that is um, through worship, through bowing, through praising, through listening, or even experimental um, intimacy with God looks like when you do, when you do your first prayer, when you first lay your hands to pray pray for someone, or when you're first like just believing God for a miracle or believing God for healing, and God heals you. Those are all experiences that come with your partner and then taking taking trips with God. So I don't care if I'm weird for doing this, but for me, um there there have been moments, pivotal moments in my life where I will go and it, I used to call it just me time, but it would be like my times to have conversations with God and I call them God conversations. But I would go to a restaurant and it'd just be me. I have my journal, my pen, my headphones, anything I need to like really just be one with God and be on a date. Like it's my date time with God. Um, and that I consider an experimental intimate act because it was me and God having this experience to say, I set time aside for you. Like, this is my time to spend with you. I don't want anyone interrupting it. This is my moment to be intimate with you. And I would go on these dates at least like every two weeks, whether it was going to sit at my favorite restaurant and just getting a drink, or if it was my favorite restaurant and I wanted to get a meal. Um, A lot of times for me, um, because of how um, in the past when I was going through my own traumatic experiences and not talking about them, I did not spend my birthday with people. I would spend my birthday by myself. And that'd be time for me and God to just deal with whatever was going on in that moment, whether it was I was sad, whether it was God, I'm I'm lost, I need new directions or I need help. Um, or even just saying, God, I just want to spend time with you. Like I didn't get to spend as much time with you this week. And my birthday is the day you sent me into the earth. So I want to just acknowledge you and thank you for giving me life. Um, so it, it's those moments. Those are all consider, considered experimental, inti- uh, intimate acts. And it's because I share the experience with God. I want God in the moment of every experience in my life. And that's how I do things. I want to invite God's presence into anything. And it's crazy because there's even a description that says that even if I make my bed in hell, that God is with me. Like there are some times where I've been in the worst situations. And even if I didn't want God, that God would be there and say, Hey, I don't agree with what you're doing, but I still love you. So I'm, I'm going to like repent and turn back to me. We will work through this. We will walk through this. You will be healed. You will be restored. Those are experiences that you can share with God. But the the hard question to ask people is, are you willing to share those experiences with God? Because when you invite God in, the Holy Spirit is going to be there. So when you're ready, when you met, like, tempted to fall, the Holy Spirit will check you and be like, hey, so you're going to leave? Or, hey, so you know you've had enough. Hey, are you sure you're supposed to be spending that? Like, like the Holy Spirit, he is your comforter, but he is also your guide he to like he is your tu- he tutors you through through life because he knows it all. He is the spirit of God. So 
those experimental intimate acts or that I, or examples, they're examples of experimental intimacy that I have given you. Those are my personal examples. I would love to hear what are some of your personal um, experiences that you share with God. Um, and then the last one that I'm going to talk about is spiritual intimacy. And it is your ability to share awe-inspiring moments with your partner. So for examples with... Um, with just your husband, boyfriend, sisters, brothers, whatever, um, whatever human beings you're around, like, are you able to worship with them? Are you able to worship God with them? Are you able to praise God with them? And even then, are you able to share your innermost thoughts when it comes to God, your beliefs, your spirituality? Are you able to share those things with, with them? And then when we're talking about God, I want you to really focus on share awe-inspiring moments with God. So there's been many points in my life where I've I've literally had this moment. And I, I honestly be um, very transparent, humble and honest. Um, so this starting God's gift was an inspiring moment for me um, this year. And I shared it with God. Like he's been with me every step of the way. But I had so much fear to start a podcast, so much fear to start a blog, so much fear to step out and start my first business because I just, it was something unfamiliar to me. And it's also something I have not seen done in my family. So, um, when I was taking the steps, so God gave me the idea to start God's gift last year on August 4th, 2018. I have it written out, dated and everything. It was right before I joined join the church that I'm at now, which is All Nations Worship Assembly. And I I was like, I'm gonna do it. I got I'm gonna I'm going to do it. I'm gonna do it. And I was so motivated and so inspired and so ready. But then I I reached my first roadblock and I was like, God, I can't I'm already like <laughs> I'm already taking a lot of L's right now. So Jesus, I'm I'm sorry. <laughs> like maybe next year. Um so when it came around this year, and I I can talk about my experience that led up to um, me leaving my job and everything, but I I feared it so much because it meant putting me in the driver's seat of my life when I was so used to thinking I was in the driver's seat, but letting other things dictate how I moved and how I interacted or how I showed up in the world and. Like it was so inspiring, inspiring for me to do my first podcast or to even do something I love. Like I love talking and narrating things. I've done it since I was a kid, um, but I never looked at that as a gift just because it was something I did as a kid. Um, but it was so inspiring for me, for me to just step into purpose and step into doing what God has called me to do. Um, that. I shared that moment with him. Like, thank you for bringing me into this. Thank you for not giving up on me. Thank you for just allowing me to like slowly move into it. You're holding me hand in hand. And some days you're putting more on my plate to do, but I thank you because you know, you know what I'm capable of. And I'm, I don't sometimes I myself and other times I overestimate myself, but God, thank you for the balance. And I think those are 
that's just an example of an awe-inspiring moment that I shared with God. So I want to know, like, what are your awe-inspiring moments that you've shared with God in 2019? Like, what would you say they were? Whether it was taking a new job, stepping out in faith and starting a new business, or getting married like that that is an awe-inspiring moment for many especially when you've waited and you've desired or having your first kid and you've waited and you've desired like those are things that are awe-inspiring moments that I would encourage you all to invite God into if you don't like if you already do yes yes to you but how can you go deeper how can you go how can you plan uh long term to always put God in your awe-inspiring moments And then for those that don't like what's stopping you and do you want to just invite him in? And if you need tips on how to invite him in, it's just as simple as saying, God, I invite you into this situation. I invite you into this experience. Or God, even before I have this experience, what what should this experience look like? (laughs) And that's that's a real thing. Um, So these are the five types of intimacy. And now that I've given you a list of examples even down from my personal experience I've asked you all a series of questions throughout this podcast so if you would like please write back to me I would love to know what are your experiences what what ways have you been intimate with God what does your intimacy with God look like what does it look like and even then like Are there any areas where you struggle to be intimate with God? And I gave you one of my struggles um, earlier when I was talking about it, when I said, am I playing God? And that's physical intimacy. But what areas of like intimacy are you struggling with? And I can give you pinpoints of my life of where I struggled with, with different components of intimacy. So my plan is to write out for each one of these um, types of intimacy to write out not only my testimony and my narrative, but to give you all pinpoints in my life where I didn't have this form of intimacy with God, but how it became a process. And I'm still growing in that process. I fall short all the time where I should have invited God into something and I didn't. So just take a step back and just reflect. Um, what does your, and be be real about it. Like, what does your intimacy with God look like? broken down into these five categories. So for those that don't know, I'm going to tell you, he is, God is the greatest partner. He is one that never leaves and does not change. And that's something we can't say about mankind because we change every day. God does not change. He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He is the same. Um, So I want you to really think about those questions, ponder over it, and just give me your ideas. So I hope to hear from you all soon and have a good day.